Hello everyone, welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode was recorded on Friday, April 29th, very early in the morning in Washington, D.C., not so late where Daniel is. Um, he, Daniel's been on the show since year one. We are in year 13, is that correct? Year 13? That seems right. Maybe 15? Year 15? We've been doing this for a long time, and Daniel's been part of the show the entire time. He is our intro and outro music. He just got back from Chicago. He's back in Portugal, and uh, yeah. He had a very, I'd say, successful trip. Uh, we talk a lot about that. It's mostly about his David Lynch retrospective at the Music Box. Uh, there is some talk about recording. There is some talk about uh, live shows. It's great. If you like Daniel, you'll enjoy this conversation. If you don't, well, we have nearly a thousand other episodes for you to enjoy at you, me, them, everybody.com, where you also have a Patreon account. Please consider uh, giving whatever you can because uh, money helps things. Uh, without further ado, here's Daniel. I loved when I would go to Chicago for short amounts of time. I love that. I loved being booked as much as possible. Everything yeah. has a start date and an end date, and there's no fluff. We're, we're getting it in. We're getting it out, and they want to see you more. Right. Next, do you want to maintain this type of in-and-out relationship? I mean, it, it just depends on if there's work or not. I think I could go back for, like, one of the things I want to... Yeah, I, yeah, I guess I do. Like, I mean, I was I was just thinking about it, and I was like, the only other thing I want to go back for is to to work on my Lynch collection, like, which is you know at a point now where it needs to be archived properly and and like kind of you know further inventoried, and, and I need to go through it. I also have all my my personal stuff at my parents' house that I just left there, and I have to go through all of that. And that's a project, you know. It's not like necessarily a, a work project, but it's a project and. I, I kind of just, I think that's the thing that being back this time really made me realize is that like, I don't really want a social life. <laughs> I, I, I just want to, I just want to do stuff. I just want to be making stuff. And the fact that I was able to do that for like for three weeks without even a moment's rest and loved it and just felt like invigorated by it just told me everything that I, I already kind of knew about myself and, and, and told me that I need to start drawing better boundaries about that, that I just, that all I want to do is work and, and that the people, the, 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 the people you tend to see when you're doing that are people who are like working with you. And it was, it was nice to see those people cause they weren't, they were all, they were all busy too. And they all had, you know, they were all sort of part of it. And, um, yeah, I, I guess I don't really want to just like go back and hang out. Mm. <laughs> Well, let's get. There's two things there we need to talk about. Let's talk about the former. You mentioned the Lynch collection, and you said it's not a job, but that, in a weird way, is sort of becoming a job for your life. This is the second time you've done a, a Lynch program. Um, I'm yeah. assuming you were paid for it, and yes. I'm assuming, uh, based on the turnout, that they might want to do something like this again, and, and maybe a, in a different theater or a different city, whatever, might want to do this again. Do you want to make this part of your job? I do, and I, I think that was something that that was a, a surprise to me. Um, not that I not a surprise that I enjoyed it, but a surprise that that I think there's a version of it that I could do, and that there's a role for me in presenting that material that that I think is is out there for me. I just have to figure out what that is. You know, um, there's a lot of things. I mean, I just think about. David Lynch's work and, and all the, all the time. And, um, I, you know, one of the things I want to do is to create a, 
um, dedicated media library that archives all of his releases. And that's not to, even just to say like to buy up all the DVDs or whatever, but to like literally capture and log the different transfers of, of all of that material and to just every YouTube clip that comes up. Cause I do that obsessively. I just collect all of that stuff. And I feel like there needs to be sort of a database for all of that so that anybody who might be writing a paper or doing a documentary would have a resource for it. And I would really just love to be, you know, a hub for that um, kind of stuff. And, and I, I already sort of am, I already have a collection that's bigger than what I, I know what to, to do with at the moment. And I, I also have this like fantasy of opening a David Lynch museum over here in, in Portugal or Spain. Um, I think there's an audience for it here, whether or not that would be successful. I don't know, or if that's just like me dreaming, but to speak more to like what you were talking about, I think that doing a kind of running show, you know, where I present Lynch's work either as a complete retrospective or as a thematic retrospective, that's something that I didn't really think there, I didn't really think that was possible to do. You know what I mean? It's, it's, um, it just sounds too good to be true. But I think after this latest retrospective at Music Box, it really is true and really is possible. Are you at all afraid that this will, uh, hinder your own music because like you said you had the festival but you also had your show you also were recording albums and you're not just like this this is not a bedroom album thing you're recording it i'd say at the most infamous at this point well-respected chicago land studio you're you're at electrical audio you're you're a music you're not a hobbyist you are a full-time musician does this worry you in any way you know that that occurred to me for like a second and I think if I was 25, I would be really worried about it. Got it. But, but I'm not because why would I not want to do something I love doing? You know what I mean? And even 100%, if that was hundred percent, and even if that was more successful, like I wouldn't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I think that the, the, the notion of a big break is, is something that we think about when we're young. And it's also something that doesn't really exist anymore. Nobody gets a big break. I mean, most big breaks are manufactured and most of us, even when we think we're broadcasting to the world, we're really just sort of broadcasting to the, the frequency that, that picks up on what, what we're doing anyway. So those people will find me anyhow. And if anything, the, you know, becoming like, a you know, a, a Lynch fandom sort of person or whatever, like whatever, whatever you want to call that will, will only strengthen the frequency that I broadcast at to the people who are interested in my work, because I think people who are interested in his work are probably, you know, likely to be interested in mine possibly. And, uh, you know, the, the only thing I would like add to that is like, do I want to be like, do I want to be some hokey, like, you know, convention t-shirt hawking, like guy, like, you know, uh, doing a goofy Lynch, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, there, there's a, there's definitely a version of it I don't want to be. I, I but but I think that the version of it I want to be is sort of evidenced by the way that we did this one anyway. Like I I, I don't like a convention atmosphere. I don't like autograph signy kind of you know um, uh, comic con. I don't think you need to expound on what a convention is because. To be fair to these conventions, you've attended these conventions. You've had emotional moments no. at these conventions. I went to one convention. I only went to one. I went to well, I went to 
a convention and I went to a five day film festival, but that wasn't, they had signings there, but it was, it was, it was like they, everyone was there to watch the films. It was at a drive-in movie theater in, in Pennsylvania, um, which ended up being a really integral part of what I did because I met, um, Scott Ryan there, which by the way, you have to read the book he wrote. It's amazing. I'm almost done with it. And we had him out at music box to do the, the interviews. Cause I can't, I can't do any interviews, but, um, and Charlotte Stewart was out there, but yeah, I went to one convention in, in Indiana cause it's not really my scene, but like that was, it was close and it was like, I just want to get some stuff signed and, and that's what that was for. But, but, but that's the only reason I went, you know what I mean? They showed fire walk with me at that convention and I didn't watch it there cause I don't want to see it that way. And I don't know. I, you probably are, are not mentioning certain things, but you did have an emotional moment at, at, at this place. Oh, no, no. I mean, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't to do with the convention, though. It wasn't because I got to go to, no, you know. No, 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 no. But that doesn't yeah. happen without the convention is what I'm saying. Um, I mean, yeah, those that's what those are for. I mean, those are that those those sort of appearances. Could there have been a better way to do that? Yeah. But I think that's what those are for. Like, I didn't. I, I I felt like so okay so I went to a convention in Indiana because it was close and because it was inexpensive and I thought I'll just take the thing that I want Cheryl Lee to sign I would, which was a firewalk with me match matchbook and I'll go there and I'll have her sign it and that'll be that now when I saw her it was an emotional experience for me that I didn't expect I started crying uh, immediately and it was it was uncontrollable I was not able to like stop it and I it was like when you know young girls see uh, the Beatles or, or Elvis or something or well, yeah, when anybody sees them, you know, like you freak out and, and it's, it's sort of, uh, an intense experience and seeing Cheryl Lee for me was like seeing Elvis or like seeing Bugs Bunny or, or Mickey Mouse, mm -hmm. just like talking immediately. It was, it was, uh, strange and, and unreal. And, and, you know, she was really graceful about it. I think she probably deals with that a lot, but that being said, like, that is the proper venue for that. A movie theater, a movie theater is not to me. A movie theater is where we appreciate the work, and that was the thing that I wanted to really, you know, get across here. That this isn't like, 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 like all the people that we had. We had guests, you know. Um, we had uh, Dwayne Dunham, who was the editor of uh, uh, Blue Velvet and Wild at Heart, and we had Charlotte Stewart come. She was. Um, in a race fight, but she knew David Lynch and also Richard Green, who, who knew David Lynch. He was the uh, magician in Mulholland drive. Um, they, they, um, they were guests that, that, that had stories to tell that were relevant to the work at large. And, you know, we also tried to get, we tried to get Jennifer Lynch and we tried to get Peter Deming, uh, the cinematographer of lost highway and, and the return and, but that's the thing. I wanted to have conversations that were a little more less around, like, what was it like to work on this movie? What was mm -hmm. it like? Um, I, I wanted them to feel more like we were talking about the body of work and and the man who, who created it. Are At this point, you've probably consumed more Lynch material than anyone, definitely anyone I know, and probably the top 1% in the world. Are you at all worried that you will learn something that will just be so off-putting that you're done? Off-putting? Yes. Um, no, I, I mean, there's definitely, like, like Lynch has tastes that aren't my taste. 
he's done work that I don't like. Um, and it's not so much about the work. I'm not really talking about the work here. I'm talking about the personal. Um, maybe I don't know. I I haven't. I still haven't read Room to Dream. Oh, really? Which, that is very surprising to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm part of it is that I'm a lazy reader, like which is which my family will be embarrassed by. But like, I. But part of it also is like I I. I don't know. I need to make space for that. I I, <laughs> I have that thing too of like you know like I don't want to meet. I don't want to meet Bob Dylan. Like, that's weird. <laughs> I just want him to be Bob Dylan. So, like, I, I didn't read his book either, you know. Um, maybe, you know, I will read it probably, uh, obviously. But, uh, yeah, that's something that I've put off. I don't just, like, you know, in, in terms of, like, the films and the music, I consume that constantly. There's sure. not a point in sort of paying attention to that. But, um I, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't read everything out and I definitely am not a guy who like reads all the theories and things like that either. But, um, no, I don't, it's, you know, to, your question was like, do I think that there's something that could like disappoint me or like turn me off from it? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. I mean, I mean, if if he if he turned out to be like, like I don't know like if he committed some terrible crime or something like that but I like I'm pretty sure he didn't like all the guy likes to do is like paint and like do his work and that's one of the things I admire about him so there's there's not a lot of room in his life for for those sorts of things that would 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 crush my <laughs> my appreciation of him you know what I mean I do. Did you at all? Did you guys reach out to Lynch himself? Uh, I didn't. I'm sure that the theater did. I, you know, I think they 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 had to for certain things about asking for permission for for certain things. You know, certain things you don't. But then, um, but I, you know, and I don't mean this in a negative way. But I'm not that interested in Lynch's opinion about the retrospective or, or, or things like that. And that's not because I, I wouldn't want him to come obviously, or, 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 or anything like that, but I don't think he would, first of all, I don't think he would like the idea of a pre-show. Um, I think he would find that antithetical to his like way to present a movie. Um, but that doesn't bother me. Um, and I don't know, you know, I, I think, uh, he probably is a is aware is about aware of it as as any other sort of little thing that's going on, you know, about his work. But I don't. Uh, there was no like direct line of communication about it. So during the festival, some actual Lynch news or rumor appeared, which was that there might be a brand new film. I I have a theory about that. Do you want to explain this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. My theory. Um, my theory is that he he shot a pilot for Netflix. Yes. Netflix, Netflix didn't pick it up. He Mulholland drived it into a masterpiece, and then either Netflix or another distributor realized, oh, this is really something we should we should throw money at this. And then at the last minute, he um, changed it. You know, they 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 offered him a deal, and he pulled it from from Cannes. And is now developing it into a full series. That's my, that's my, that's what I so, hope. So you're, so let's let's run through this real quick. Your thing was pilot Mulholland Drive, 
back to full series. Now we're looking for a home for the series. That's your that's your um, idea. No, my my my. I mean, yes, except that I think that that at the end, the thing that got it pulled from Can was that somebody promised him a full series and promised him final cut. Ah, uh, I see. Okay. Um, okay. I was. I don't think I'm the only one here. I'm. I was thinking like there's going to be a Lynch appearance. Like there's going to be there's going to be that movie at the music box. Did anybody else come up to you expecting this? Uh, a few people were like, "Oh, is he gonna is he gonna show up and like premiere his movie?" Like, like, yeah, I wish, man. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I tried my best to like, you know, not get people's hopes up for things that weren't weren't happening. Um, but it, I think people understood after the weekend that that's that's not what was going to happen. What if it sucked? <laughs> What if the, what if they're like you know what we're doing it uh, and it's horrible? What the, the new thing? Yeah. I mean, honestly, if it was horrible, um, I would still be interested in it because uh, I find his failures to be as interesting—not as interesting, but definitely interesting—in um, connection to his successes. What is his biggest failure in your eyes? Obviously, these are all in your eyes. You're answering the question. Well, oh, but like, I mean, obviously, like everyone's going to say Dune, right? But to me, Inland Empire is 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 one of those failures. Um, just not not even because it, it's not a failure as a movie at all. To me, it's a masterpiece, and I like that it's coming back out and getting appreciated again. But like just in terms of the timing of that movie, like it just came out at the wrong time. And, um, I feel like, uh, it was just this sort of confluence of like, uh, something didn't happen in terms of the promotion of that movie that, that, that should have. And I don't know what that is and I can't even speak to it, why it didn't connect the way that it, that it should have. And may I posit something? Sure. The technology wasn't good enough yet, and if if this is made on a digital right. camera five years later, it's perfect. And if it's made with actual film at the time, it's much better. But because we're in that I, weird middle ground, it it doesn't. It I don't ages, know. I think it ages well because of that. But at the time, I'm like, this looks low rent. I I disagree with you there, actually. And one of the things that Lynch has said about the video quality, which is. 720p mini DV cameras, right? Um, SD standard by today's standards, but at the time looked okay. Um, I think, first of all, when you take a video image and you blow it up to celluloid and you run light through celluloid and project it at 24 frames a second, that has an extremely unique look. And uh, one of the things we did at my retrospective was I actually own a 35 millimeter print of Inland Empire. Hold on, stop. I, I did not know this. How many 35 millimeter prints do you own? Just that. Um, okay. I have. I also own a 35 millimeter copy of my, David Lynch's uh, promo for uh, Michael Jackson's Dangerous, which we showed at the retrospective. Um, really quick, that's only like a minute long, correct? That's long, yeah. Okay. But but I'm missing real five of Inland Empire, so if anybody has that, please. Jesus, uh, how do you, how? Just You just... I mean, I just keep my nose to the ground. You know, I keep my ear to the ground for these sort of things. I try to try to find them. Um, but but we one of the things we did at the at the retrospective was after the feature, we showed 
two minutes from my print and then two minutes from the 4K, uh, the same two minutes from the 4K uh, uh, restoration. And um, I prefer the film myself, but that's because I'm a film projectionist. And also I think like, uh, you know, I think the 4K looks great. Um, a lot of people have like weird feelings about it because it's like video to, you know, he used the video source instead of the film print as the restoration, uh, you know, art artifact. And that caused a lot of sort of controversy among, you know, film format nerd people. I think it's fine. But, um, yeah, I think, I think, um, the film does look a little bit better. Um, <laughs> this is, I, I love that you've figured out a way to get paid from doing something you were doing for free. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if I would go as far as I did for, for free. I mean, I definitely, sure. it was, it was me and my element and I loved every minute of it. And it was like, that was the thing too. It's just like, yeah, like I, I can't wait to do that again. And I can't wait to, um, just live in that world again. And I, you know, I didn't, because I was running around, I didn't get to watch all of it, but I just, just sharing it with everybody was, was an amazing experience. And, you know, we, we, I want to point this out cause like there's no publication to do it really, but like we broke a record and the record was the one that I had set. And that is a really good feeling. And really quick for the record, for those that don't know, you're talking about attendance at the music box. I'm assuming. No, we're talking about, the most of Lynch's works for film and television shown in one place at one time. Oh, well, that's a given. Yeah, that's a given. And, and uh, I mean, I can tell you what we didn't show. The only things that we didn't show, my criteria was, did he, did he write it? Did he direct it? Did he shoot it? Um, not did he produce it, which is a whole other can of worms. But, like, you know, um, obviously he produced a lot of these things. Um, but what we didn't show in that criteria was... Uh, Episodes one through seven and nine through eighteen of of the return, um, and episodes one through twenty eight of the uh, original series, or I guess the the few episodes that he directed. You would technically, if you want to be technical about it, and then um, episodes episode seven of On the Air, which he wrote but did not direct. That's it. There's nothing else that that, that he has made that we did not show. And there was about three hours worth of material when we, when we got started at the beginning of that week where I was like, there's three hours worth of stuff that I won't be able to say that we showed. And I found, you know, thanks to the, 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 the projection staff at music box, like we found time. And so when there was like, there was barely any time that we were there, that there was not something playing on screen. And so we, we found time if there was an extra 10 minutes, an extra 30 minutes, you know, on, on any given day, or if we opened a little early, I would just put, I would say, let's put this, let's put this here. And to further that, we actually played uh, in the lounge at the music box, every single uh, David Lynch weather report uh, in order. Did you play twin beaks, the Sesame street parody? No. Uh, well, how does it I, feel to be a failure? <laughs> well, first of all, Lynch didn't. Do that. There was a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of Twin Peaks stuff, like extra stuff that I had to not show because I I had limited time on that day for other yeah, things. Yeah. Um, but I I did 
you know, I prioritized, so for the Twin Peaks Day, Twin Peaks Day was like one of the best days. It was one of the best days of my life, to be honest. Like, we we had no guests. We had no special guests. The only thing that we had, um, we we had Bang Bang Pie Shop in Chicago come and, and do cherry pie. They set up a little, you know, kiosk. We had Glassworks Coffee come, and, and they made a special Laura Palmer roast, which also comes with a download of... Uh, Three three David Lynch themes that I recorded, and those bags of coffee sold out quick. And but we were selling it by the cup as well. And then I had um, uh, an actual great horned owl at the yes. theater, <laughs> which 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 was like you know it's not the biggest thing in the world, but to me that was just like I wanted it to be a really unique experience where people, I didn't, and we didn't announce it. We didn't say anything about it. It was just one of these things where like, Oh yeah. Like I'm coming to see Twin Peaks to get my pie and my coffee. And then like, is that, is that an owl? Is that a real owl? And then there's a guy just standing in the back of the lobby with an owl and you can get your picture with it. But it wasn't like a picture booth situation. He was just standing there with an owl and people took pictures, you know? Um, and and then we showed fire. We showed like about forty minutes worth of pre-show stuff, which forty minutes is a lot. Is a lot. But I I prioritized stuff that I hadn't shown at previous Twin Peaks screenings. And then we did um, uh, all of the missing pieces. And then we did episode. Really eight. quick, when you say the missing pieces, is it is this something that you cut, or is this the thing that like occasionally pops up on Vimeo? That no no no, the missing pieces are the deleted scenes from Fire Walk with Me, yeah. which are sort of cut into their own little movie. Yeah. Um, and then, and then when we did fire walk with me again on the final day, it could have just been a repeat day. But what I did instead was we, we did fire walk with me directly into the pilot episode, which is my favorite way to watch material because it, it reframes, uh, the pilot, you know, in a, in, in a different light. Did you consider playing, uh, Wayne's world after, uh, or between the two considering Laura Flynn Boyle left, Twin Peaks to go do Wayne's World and is not in Fire Walk with me. No, but you know now that you now that you say that I'm gonna look for a Laura Flynn Boyle clip to from that to include in the pre-show material because I actually have a clip where I that's something I cut myself and I don't know maybe this is in bad taste but I I like I I transformed a cut of like Moira Kelly talking about Fire Walk with me on like Johnny Carson or. Leonard or whatever it was at the time and then I like morphed it into Laura Flynn Boyle or maybe it's the other way around that's great um, I want to see this yeah no it was that was like this there's, there's I mean a lot of the pre-show stuff like it's it's not a place for me to be creative in terms of like making things like that but it's a place to just sort of like create contextual material that is immersive that puts you in the headspace of like someone who is watching these films or these shows like at the time of their release. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have like reviews and, 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 and talk show appearances and, and trailers and clips and things like that, that are, that are, you know, time context sensitive, but also like I do get to cut some together and, and make special little videos that, 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 that are fun for me to make. Why didn't you advertise the return episode eight? Uh, uh, is it legal <laughs> stuff? Uh, <laughs> listen, I, I I know I can talk about it because it's already happened and people uh-huh. were sharing about it. It's not it's not right. a secret anymore. It's already oh. happened. It did happen. Yeah, it did happen. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we did show that. Uh, have you ever considered trying to get 
um, a neighborhood uh, film, like an outdoor film to show Blue Velvet. I would love to see that on like a manicured lawn in a very nice area. I mean, probably the same neighborhood the the music box is in. And you know, go the, ahead, please. The, Funny you mention that. So I saw that at a at a drive-in theater in Pennsylvania, and it was beautiful to see it that way. Yeah. The the, uh, the what was the town that it was filmed in? It was filmed in some town in North Carolina. I always thought it would be cool to go there and do an outdoor screening of it. Are you happy with the music right now? Your music. Am I happy with my music right now? I'm extremely happy with my music right now because I I think I I had more of it than I thought. And that's always the case. You know, um, I had last year we, we, you know, me and, and, and the band went into the studio and did about five songs and, um, we, we recorded them in one day and it was like, really like it just, everything clicked. It was really good. And we were all just playing it live and it, you know, the recordings were fantastic. The only thing I didn't have was a final vocal on any of them. And um, some of them were sort of challenging to sing, which is why I didn't record vocals at the time. And so when I was coming back for the Lynch retrospective, I thought, well, it would be stupid of me not to get these guys back together and finish that and make a record of it so I don't just have some EP that nobody's going to ever hear about, you know. Um, and, but one of the things I forgot to do was write songs. So uh, I, <laughs> a week before I left, I got covid and, oh, I um, didn't know that. How I, are you feeling? Yeah, I'm fine. I mean, I, I was okay. It was like the, I got the BA2 variant, which is like the easy, breezy one, you know, where you're just kind of sick for three days and then you're fine. But well, really but quick, it, really quick, you are you are an actual friend, and you are you were for the majority of this thing one of the most cautious folks I knew. Now that you've had it, do you feel any sort of freedom? Uh, a little bit. I mean, it. You know, I feel like it's less likely that I'll get it, but also. Um, I'm triple vaccinated. I had it already. I feel a little bit more like, yeah, things have to, I have to kind of move on with things, but I wear my mask. I do abide by all the things. And I, do you feel, always... well, hold on at the festival, you saw thousands of people and you're playing a very packed hungry brain. So that's hundred plus people. But I had literally just had it. That's what I mean. Did is... you feel more comfortable because you just had it? At that time, I did. Yes, I wouldn't necessarily feel that way now, but I did at that time. Yeah, I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm set, I'm good. So, um, I had to be, otherwise, I would have panicked. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, anyway, to so I had COVID and I hadn't written any songs, and I, uh, a week before I left, I started writing songs that were all about halfway, half finished, and I had, I had four new ones, and then I dusted off the third song I ever wrote, which still kind of held up just needed some different lyrics in in the second verse and, and i took all of those you know with my demos of me and my croaky covid voice singing them and um we had three days in the studio and we we uh we we finished them and i even recorded some extra stuff just because i was there and uh and i'm feeling good about that i'm feeling good about where that ended up but then after that um you know, I'm doing this this album uh, with uh, my friend Maria, who is is singing my songs in French. And oh, that's cool! Yeah, and 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 we just needed to record her vocals and do some final mixing on that, so we did that over that period of time. And uh, and then 
on the last day, I had a really comprehensive session for uh, a side project I have called Coinhammer, which is like noise music that's also kind of film score oriented with like lots of uh, uh, field recordings and things that I record with my phone, you know, sounds. And, and uh, that record, weirdly, is coming together very fast, and I'm really excited about it. Um, so I, I ended this whole trip with like three records that are like pretty much ready to go. We just need to, you know, record a few little overdubs and, 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 um, do some mixing. Have you figured out how to sell a t-shirt that isn't lame? Because I can't think of any solo artist who I want on a t-shirt other than like Fiona Apple. I just, man, the thing, you know, that's a tough thing for me because I don't, I don't wear t-shirts of, of anything. I wear the same shirt every day and you've had a uniform I, i've known you for over 20 years you've had the same uniform yeah well it's a problem right now because it's hot I've lost, well uh no it's not that's not a that's not a problem at all i i wear um a polish a black polo shirt and black slacks but the the jc penny stopped making the shirts that i wear they started making in in this weird qual uh polyester and i can't wear that shit and and um so the last shirts i have are the last shirts that i've had for the last five years and i only have four i only have four of them and um i only i don't have any pants anymore because uh they all have holes in them and then also the um i've lost some weight and my they're like my pants are like falling off and i'm not about to wear a belt like some you know lunatic uh you're such an idiot uh, i love it get it <laughs> I want you to become a suit guy. I know you're never going to become a suit because guy. I don't wear a belt because I don't because I won't wear a belt. Belts are weird, man. They collect. The, if you wear a belt, all the stuff from your body like will collect under there. And nope, be... that means it's the wrong size belt. That's not how belts are supposed to work. You're using a belt incorrectly. Well, you'll have to show me how to use a belt. <laughs> you I'm should become interested. a suit for. A, try, I think you'd actually really like becoming a suit guy, or at least a suit jacket guy, because then you always have pockets and you you have pens and all the time. Like, it's but they good, don't. Jacket for my size. That's the problem. When that's you're not true. Guy. That's not true. No, 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 no. Listen, when you're a big guy, the suit jackets you get make you look bigger, like fucking doorman or something. Like I don't want that. I don't you, want. I know you're never gonna do it. You just need a tailor. Uh that is a, a that is a luxury that I don't see myself being able to afford at any point, but we'll see. I understand um, why you're saying that, but take advantage of where you are in the world right now. And if it becomes your uniform, you're going to wear it every day. It makes sense. That's true. I, I, I think I'm going to look into that. One of the things also though, is like Portugal has a bunch of uh, shopping malls here and they have a bunch of like kind of weird off brand, you know, sort of, type of things and so i'm gonna go to some shopping malls and like try on clothes and see if i can find something that i can wear that they have here and then if i can find it i'm just gonna buy like a ton of it i get that and, i get that but then if i lose more weight i'm screwed so i don't know i'll buy enough of it you know um but it's a problem right now and i'm i look you know because my hair is long now and my beard is long now i look to some people at first sight depending on my mood like a you know like a vagrant or something and and the clothes don't help that and and so i'm i'm a little like i'm a little concerned about not having clothes on my uh, you know on my 
on my person. You got just be, get a suit jacket, man. They're useful or a painter's coat. No, like come on, like that's a such a fucking. When I go to the Oscars, I'll wear a fucking suit jacket, right? Like You're the, I'm not. I understand. Who am I? Okay. Jacket. Think about how. Think about the utility of the jacket. That's why I'm suggesting it. Man, suit a suit a suit is. You don't like, have to wear the full suit. I'm just saying a jacket would help you. Why don't I just wear sunglasses and like you know, walk around giving people you know finger guns like? It's not- <laughs> yeah. Why don't you? Because I don't want to. Because that's not who I am. That's not. Com- also, I, anyone, I, I don't think anyone wearing a suit who isn't extremely rich is actually comfortable. Oh, unless, I, oh, I really disagree. Unless, unless, and well, unless you are someone who has a thin build, in which case you're probably always comfortable. No, I don't have a thin build. I, I prefer a suit. If anything, it hides your body. <sighs> I don't need to hide my body. I just need to you know, not be walking around nude or with clothes that are full of holes. Yeah, and I don't need, need to look cool. I don't need to look cool at, at all. I need to just look uh, – I just need to be able to carry myself in a way that I don't have to worry about my fucking pants falling down or like reaching up for something and people seeing the Swiss cheese uh, you know, holes in my, my, my five, six-year-old shirts. This is why I like the suit. It's not so much because – stop thinking of it as a whole suit. Just think of it as just the jacket. It's so useful. If it's cold out, you're good. If it's hot out, you can take it off. There's pockets everywhere. It it makes a lot of sense. And okay. someone traveling I, I, a lot, that's why I like it. I just want to point something out, which is that um, all the nice suit jackets are very small. And the big jackets for big guys they don't make a sock like there's no in between if somebody tailored one just for me perhaps i would wear that but i still think it would look it would have that fucking linebacker i get, big no, guy. I, get I totally get what you're saying i totally and get what you're saying people would call me big guy and i fucking hate that i'm I with f- you i'm with you i'm with you i'm with you i'm not saying you get that then maybe you do the japanese artist coat where it's just like it's. I'm just. I like the utility of something. Japanese artist, like where it's long, where like where like where you look like a waiter, like where no, it goes it's, down. It it looks like you're about to sit down in an artist studio and paint a picture, like that kind of thing. I like those for the like. I want one of those myself and make that my like everyday thing to wear to work. I listen. If it's comfortable, yes, that's the whole point. That's why I, these are raved about I'll, for their comfort. I've never heard of a suit that's comfortable. I will I will send you a link. Okay. All right. Uh, I'll try it. At this point, man, I'll try anything. I really will. Um I just I just my experience with clothes like that has been that um they are constrictive or they are or they are bulky and there is very little in between. Um I a hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. I know yeah. the issues. I agree with them. Yeah, I well, that's something I have to deal with this week because I was walking down the uh, the street the other day and my pants were like falling down. I had to keep my hands in my pockets. So now you're just bragging about weight loss. I'm not though. Like I I, I didn't lose a ton of weight. I lost just enough for that so, to happen. So you look like the same, I, but not, none of your clothes fit. Yeah, well, no, my shirts fit fine. They always have, but they're they're you know it's because they're old and ratty and. and 
and I wear my I wear my uh, my fleece jacket over over that all the time. Uh, how was the brain show? Was it was that your first show since COVID? Your first US it show? It was my first show in two uh, a little over two years. How did it feel? Uh, it felt great. I think I didn't rehearse for it at all. <laughs> really? Which, no, yeah, it was funny. Well, I didn't to be re- fair, you were in the studio. Like- yeah, and at and at the music box, and and before that, I was writing. Before I left, I was writing, so I didn't have any time to rehearse. And so I just kind of like I pulled out, I I I pulled out a bunch of songs that I thought there's no way I could fuck these up, and I didn't fuck up that many of them, and I just played comfortably and i talked a little bit and and the show went great i played solo not because i didn't want to play with the band i really did and they really wanted to play with me but like i didn't with all that was going on want to deal with the logistics of uh of doing that um i just wanted to be able to kind of play a little freely and if i fucked up it was just me fucking up it wasn't like me fucking up a dynamic with 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 perform with other performers um, and, and, uh, and it, because it was my last Chicago show, like probably for a long time, you know, it was sort of all about me anyway. So, uh, I just wanted to keep it like a thing where I was responsible for, for what, what went right and what went wrong. How long was um, I don't know. Somebody said it was two hours, which I don't believe. Um, you think it was longer or shorter? I think it was shorter. I think it was more like 90 minutes. Um, and, uh, and that's only because it's a little more on the personal side. Like, you know, if it was a normal show, I would have tailored it to be good, solid 45, uh, minutes or an hour, you know, for any, the, the evening with, you know, concert format. But you sold out the show weeks in advance. You could have played for three hours and people would have been happy. I don't, I don't know anybody that would be happy with a three hour show, but, <laughs> but maybe I could have, I mean, I have, I have material but it would have been me kind of reaching to a point that would be a saturation point did you record it i think i know the answer to this but did you record it i did record it you did yeah have you listened back no no and i'm not going to i'm gonna i'm gonna post it somewhere but probably to the patreon send that to me i want to hear that okay i'll send it to you i Um, I want to know because here's the thing you i know i've said this Ad nauseum, I know you fucking hate it. You're my favorite living songwriter. And The Hungry Brain is my favorite room for music in the entire world. So, And you've thankfully done my show like at least a dozen times there. And it's always, I love it. And you fucking hate it. And that makes me love it even more. And <laughs> I always thought that if you were ever going to do the live album thing, it, that's clearly where you should do it. You should do it there or somewhere you've never been. That's completely unexpected. Like a beach in Brazil or The Hungry Brain. Those are the two places you should do a live album. I'd love to do a Hungry Brain live album. That's not it, though. I mean, the thing is, if I do a Hungry Brain live album, it's going to be, I'm going to rehearse it with a with a band, and we're gonna we're gonna do like two or three nights, and get, we're gonna cut I, it. I get that. I get that. But I think it makes more sense for you to do it with a crowd without any rehearsal, just you alone, especially post pandemic or like end of pandemic or whatever the hell this is. That makes sense too. There's a reason for every version. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. I just don't have the desire to have a live album the way some people do. I don't have the, uh, I feel like it's a bit navel-gazing, kind of, you know, self-interested. Hear me out. I understand to a point. There are the exceptions to the rule, the album that tells a story that you wouldn't get if not for the selection of songs in this certain order performed this certain way. Like, there are those amazing live records, and I think that 
I should be able to fucking curate your live album, number one. Number two, uh, I think a, a two different versions of a live album for you would make a lot of sense. One just you, one with full band, one with maybe players that you're completely unfamiliar with that have the music and it lets you do whatever you want to do. Well, I mean, I can say this, like, in terms of the live album, I would have liked there to have been a live album of me, Paul, and Jason doing our thing, like, back in the day, and just to have a, a version of that recorded. Now, I I have a record I haven't released that is that, essentially, but it's not live. Um, so I think, like, there's something to be said about a live record capturing a dynamic of an act when they are at a turning point you know or before a turning point that is something that i think is worthwhile but um just just in terms of like as a as an album there's very few live albums that i'm like oh this is way better than a studio recording of these songs you know what i mean very yeah, 100 100% agree 100 percent agree um you seem to be maybe happier than you ever have been in the time i you I'm definitely happier than I ever have been. I I have less attachments. I have more work to do. I I am I love living in Portugal. Everybody here is so nice and I never thought that that would be something that I would want to live in like a sunny place where people are nice. But I really love it, you know, and 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 part of that is just like part of that is the the curiosity people have here about life and about each other and and um, people are just interested in, in things. And sometimes you'll find someone staring at you. And, and I'll, you know, my first reaction to that used to be kind of like, hey, fuck you, you know. Uh, and, and then I realized, no, they just, they're kind of just wondering what my deal is. And they're, they're interested. And, and, and that, that attitude here, like things go the way they're supposed to go. You, you would love it because things work the way they're supposed to work. People read about a show in the newspaper. They think, oh, that looks interesting. And then they go. <laughs> like that sounds that sounds that sounds really simple right but no, that's not how exactly yeah that's <laughs> that better than anybody yeah 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 that's not how it works here well here being no, where it does work here right that, now. and it works here that way for for everything and people just you know if people are doing something people are interested in in what they're doing and 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 that that is contagious and 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 really kind of disarming and um it's helped me kind of like push through a lot of things but but uh uh yeah it's it's a weirdly positive outcome for me and i i i would love to just spend the rest of my my life living here it's beautiful let's end with something inherently stupid that a lot of people are probably asking you any plans to cut the beard any plans to cut the hair I mean, I think eventually I'm going to have to cut the hair. It's getting to a point now where it's it's not down to my elbows, but it's it's really really long. Uh, I almost got it trimmed when I was in Springfield. Um, the same lady that has cut my hair for years and then hasn't seen me for two years. Uh, like I thought it would be really funny to go there and just like tell her to just take a little bit off. Yeah. But but uh, I don't know about the hair. I don't know what to do about that. Eventually, uh, the beard. Uh, I have to keep it at a certain length. Otherwise it gets this sort of like Gandalf, like it splits into two yeah. because it's patch on my, on, on my chin where it doesn't, it doesn't grow uh, as much. And so when it gets really long, the weight of the beard like splits and then the wind, it looks really silly and I hate it. So I hold keep on, it. At hold a on. Don't say you hate it. You're the one posting Instagram stories of like the wind in your beard. 
Well, I mean, it looks cool, but uh, <laughs> only 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 when I capture it at a certain angle. <laughs> okay, so when it you have to, do you think you will have a short haircut and no beard or no facial hair within the twenty twenties? I will never have no facial hair. So that, the answer is no. I, I I may have short hair at some point, um, but I will never have uh, no facial hair. That. That's that's decided. That's that's until the end of time. Okay, how about uh, a beard that's more representative of you pre-COVID? Uh, no. So you're enjoying this? I am. I am now. And you know, I'm now looking more like an older gentleman, and I like that look. It works for me. You know. Um, I think like why not? So like my hair's turning white, and like why not just turn into the into the skid and just be an old man? I was born an old man anyway. No, you weren't. That's a lie, uh, Santa. That's why you don't want to do it because you're gonna get a lot more Santa, and I'm sure you're you already got a lot of Santa. But wait, uh, you saying I would get Santa if I cut my hair my hair short and kept my beard long? Well, no. The more it goes white, I'm saying, so that that might be impetus to cut things. I don't I mean, care. It's your life. It's your face. Do whatever right you now, want. Well, let's 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 go. Let's roll it back here. Uh, I think that you know part of the Santa thing is is a weight thing, which I'm losing weight, so I'll get a little bit less of that. However, uh, however, um, what I get more than than that is is uh, Jesus. People think that I look like Jesus, well, or like it? Jesus is a very hand, you know the represent the, the sort of like normal representation of jesus that one that's like not obviously not real that's a pretty handsome guy um but uh unfortunately i also look like uh i've been told thor from uh the the avengers endgame movie where he puts on weight so uh, I, the other one and let's just let's just like this is a really like you know that this is something i i don't like to talk about but since we're talking about it and it's you the the Zach the one thing I'm really happy that I don't hear anymore because of the long hair is oh, Zach Gallagher. Oh yeah, fucking oh, insult. Yeah. Anybody listen? There are people who I was friends with who said that to me, and I was like, I'll never speak to you again, and I never did. You know what's weird is you were getting that the exact same time I was getting Seth Rogen, which I never got. I never understood. You knew me before he was famous, right? So that's that's, that's the difference. But I don't I don't see it. Definitely don't see it, and the older he gets, and the more we diverge. But I could see the voice; I could understand that. Well, the thing about Zach Galifianakis and me was, you know, we're both uh, guys that are unattractive and uh, a little bit overweight. And... Shut the fuck up! Don't do that. You're actually both attractive. Well, I think I'm attractive now. No, 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 no. Even when you thought you were a ghoul, um, both you and Galifianakis are not ugly people. Well, he's not, and he's not someone. I let me just. I mean, I. I I don't find him attractive and I find it offensive that when people compare me to him. So that, you know, no, I, I could see why people find him attractive completely, man. I could see why people find anything attractive, <laughs> but like, like people here's, and here's the thing people would say to me, people would say to me sometimes like, does then has anyone ever told you that you look like Zach Galifianakis? And I would say no one that I ever speak to now. <laughs> why didn't you ever just respond and go people say i look like zach braff all the time because that's not very funny that's very funny you're wrong 
Well, uh, I'll let the people decide. <laughs> but he's dating like a tween. What are you talking about? He's a very attractive man. Well, that's not good. And uh, also, Z- 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 Zach Braff is very attractive. I, I don't. I'll have to I disagree don't... with you. Uh, yeah, Zach Braff. The older he gets, he's got that weird he's "I'm too attra- thin" thing going on. What? He's there's certain dudes that are like too thin, and it, it makes them look emaciated, and like they have cancer when they don't. And I think that's what Zach Braff has right now. You know, a lot of people uh, uh, really like that, and that's fine. Exactly. Good for them, not for me. Not for me either. I, I'm happy with my um, uh, almost, you know, not quite Santa, not quite Thor, definitely not Zach Galifianakis. I have, I have a unique build. I have a unique look. I cut a figure when I walk into a room. I definitely draw attention. Sometimes I get attention I don't like, and when I do, I bark at those people, and they... You've made it your career. Sorry, sorry? You've made it your career. I've made what my career? Barking at people? Kind of, yeah. You're cutting a figure, you're making a scene if you want to. Yeah, that's... What is a performer? Well, you know, um, I like to be ready to uh, bark at people if I I have to, or bite people if I have to. (laughs) What's the last time you bit someone? Well, that's that's not for, that's not any of your business. That's a good answer. I'm really happy for you, and um, I wonder if I'll see you in the next twelve months. My guess is no. Um, I wouldn't be so sure. I I, I think I have to come back to Springfield to go through all of my Lynch stuff, and I probably will be, you know, end up having to go to somebody's wedding or funeral or something like that, and and, and we'll you know, hopefully. Our, our paths will cross in the in the interim. So what um, you're saying is death will bring us together. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm happy for you. Send me that music. I'll send you a link to that uh, coat. I love these coats, man. They're great. I want to get one. Okay. I, listen, if there's a coat, if there's a coat out there for me, I want to know about it. You, me, them, everybody is produced by me, Brandon Weatherby. We've been doing this since 2008. This is year 15. We have a Patreon account. Please consider donating at youmethemeverybody.com and in this podcast description. The most recent year of shows is available in iTunes and Spotify. The first 15 years, all 15 years, all 900 plus episodes are available at youmethemeverybody.com. Follow us on all the social media handles you could think of. It's at sign YMTE. Our art is by Jillian Ron and our music is by Daniel Knox. Thanks for listening and have a wonderful night. I'll hug the places that you've been sleeping, friends and family.